it brings to your life. It's an attack on your faith. It's trying so hard, so hard to get you to give up on your faith. To give up on Jesus. And say, this thing is not working. Give up on the word of God. And then follow him. Or look for an alternative. And if you do that, it will destroy you. So no matter what you go through as a child of God, hold on to the word of God. Hold on to your faith. Because if you do that, you will destroy him. Not that Satan will die, but you will destroy his influence in your life. You will command him to get out and he will. <laughs> you will stand your ground and say, no, devil, thus far you have prospered, not anymore. You are not prospering again in my life. Get out of here. The Bible says, whom resists steadfast in the faith. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. And when you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Are you with me, church? This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, put it back up there, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Move on then to the next verse. Whom resist, verse 9, steadfast in the faith. What does that mean? You stay steadfast in the faith. That is how to resist him. Resist him. The name Satan means the resister. The Bible says you should resist the resister. You wake up in the morning and he can tell you today you're going to die. It, it never has good news. That guy doesn't have good news. The only good news is from Jesus. Today you're going to die. You have a choice. Either, number one, start crying. <laughs> so this is it. So this is it. Like Celine Dion sang a song several years ago when I used to listen to Arambiel a whole lot. So this is who I am. And this is all I know. I won't give you the next verse. <laughs> now, you can accept what they call fate. F-A-T-E. Bakadara. 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 Is your kadara? It is not your kadara to die young. Can I have an amen? It is not your destiny to die young. It's not your destiny to die broke. It's not your destiny to live in sin. Jesus has paid for all of that. Look to him and receive life. Can I have an amen? amen. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith is the victory. In fact, when Paul the Apostle was listing the armor of the Christian in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 16, he said, above all, he had spoken about the helmet of salvation. He had spoken about the breastplate of righteousness. He had spoken about the belt of truth. He had spoken about the shoes of the preparation of the, for the gospel of peace. He said, above all, even, he had spoken about the sword of the spirit. He said, taking the shield of faith above all, above all, above all the armor, taking the shield of faith. Because it is with that shield of faith that you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts of the wicked sometimes represent thoughts. Fiery thoughts. Like I just told you now, you're going to die today. Now there's a disease in your body. And there is no disease. You can be all shaken up. Running from laboratory to laboratory. Running tests on top of nothing. 
You didn't eat well in the last one week and now you're malnourished and now you're having some stomach rumble and the devil can tell you that's cancer in your tummy. That's cancer. That's gastrointestinal cancer. Carcinoma. Now, this affects medical students a lot because they're exposed. They see sicknesses. They see diseases. They see all kinds of things. So, when they go back to their, to their hostel, ABH, they are thinking of the last patient they saw. Am, am I making sense? And the devil is working on your mind. Hey! Tear that thought down. Cast it down in the name of Jesus. Hmm. There might be that thing you saw on that woman. Oh. That was how it started. Oh. The first complaint she had was headache. On the left part of her head. Now, headache has come. And it's coming. And it's on the left part of your head. You know how the devil plays on our mind? And all of a sudden, you can be all shaken up. And then you're like, oh God. Oh, I, I rebuke it. Oh, I rebuke it. No, you really need to stand and rebuke him. Can I have an amen? Faith is a victory. Somebody say, faith is a victory. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Number four. Number four. It is the lifestyle of the believer. Why is faith important? Faith is the lifestyle of the believer. It is how we live. Faith is how we are supposed to be living. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. His soul that is lifted up within him is not innocent. For the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. You don't live by the faith of your pastor. You don't live by the faith of your parents. Let me look to your neighbor. If anybody is sleeping, tap them. Tap them and wake them up. It's a dangerous time to sleep. You can't live by, your com by communal faith. You can't live by the faith of your church. You can't live by the faith of your general overseer. The God of our father, Pastor Alex Adegwe. The God of my pastor, Pastor Fred Elegbe. Where are you? No, sir. No, ma. He's your God. Come to him on your own. I'll be speaking about that maybe next week. But let me tell your neighbor and say, come to God on your own. People travel around the country many times looking for a special man of God to lay hands on them. And pour oil. Oil. Not oil. Oil. Pour oil on you. Say, Baba, lay your hands on me. Stop that rascality. All you need is Jesus. Is more than enough. Can I have an amen? Some believe until they see that pastor to pray for them. That thing cannot take. No, look to Jesus. Is that pastor the author and the finisher of your faith? Looking unto PFE, the author and the finisher of your faith. Looking unto Jesus. That's why in this church, it is my goal to re-emphasize to us and to reiterate that Jesus is at the center of this church and is the doer of every good work going on here. And he's the only one we must so honor and reverence and worship. Only Jesus. is the only one that matters. Whether I'm here or not, doesn't matter. Anyone that ministers there, male or female, just receive Jesus through the administration. That's all. When Rhoda had all those, what we can call bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and, 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 and all kinds of disorder, according to psychology and medicine. Who did the healing? I never even knew. I didn't lay hands. I didn't pray for her, so it wasn't Pastor Fred. Jesus, who saw all of that, healed her in one service. Everything was gone. Insomnia, gone. Every disorder, gone. No disease, no sickness will survive this service today in the name of Jesus. 
death is how we live. Romans 1, 16 to 17, Paul the apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first, and then to the Greek. He said in the next verse, he said, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you tweak that around, the just shall die by fear. So choose. You want to live by faith? Or you want to die by fear? I choose to live by faith. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know him that holds tomorrow. I choose to walk with Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He will never let me down. Those are the kind of songs we should sing. I've, I've built my life on Jesus. I'm not held by my own strength when everything around me is shaking. I'm not held by my own strength. Everything Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Not to a special man of God on a mountain. Or a special man of God. They are doing miracles in this church. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. In your room, look to Jesus. In your small closet, look to Jesus. In your corner, look to Jesus. While you are in the lecture theater, look to Jesus. If you are in the hospital, look to Jesus. It is not over until he says so. Faith is the lifestyle of the believer. Galatians 3.11 says the same thing. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38 The just shall live by faith. How do I begin to look to Jesus? Pastor Fred, you have told us to look to Jesus, but how? How do I just sit down in my room and cross my leg and say, Jesus, they say we should look to you. Where are you? I'm a very practical person. It's important we teach the how. And I didn't know the how myself. I went to the Lord and said, Lord, you asked me to teach and to preach this. How do we look to you? And he gave me three. And as I was writing the first one, he told me to stop. He said, that's the only one you, you are permitted for tomorrow. Stop. I said, really? Okay. You are the head of the church. I'm yours to command. How do I look? How do we look to him? In Psalm 16, verse 8, the psalmist said, I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. But how do I look to you? He said, number one, look to him in worship. <laughs> That's why when worship was going on this morning, I said, Lord, I never, I intended to come to the rehearsal of the choir yesterday. But I, I spent so much time in the presence of the Lord, there was no time to come. I'm glad I did not come, but he came. The same one giving me inspiration was giving you inspiration. And things have been happening in sync in this church in recent times, if you look at it, between the pulpit and the choir. That is what happens when we pray and when we commune with him. And when we open up ourselves to him. And we are not too big for our shoes. Let's humble ourselves. It will flow through us. God will heal people through ordinary people like us. I'm telling you, Eri, you will pray with somebody in your, in your department and God will heal them of a terminal disease. And they'll say, who is the healer? You are not the healer. Tell them Jesus. Buki, you will pray for somebody in your place of work or business and God will turn their lives around and say, ah, that lady is a woman of God. Tell them, hey, it's Jesus. God in this era in which we live is not dealing with titles. He's dealing with hearts. God wants to do amazing things through your hands. Through our hands. Not just Pastor Fred. All of us. 
But number one thing that the Lord told me, and I'm telling you this morning, is to look to him in worship. Let's go back to our worship altar and repair it. For many, many of us, our altars have been broken down. Our altars have been rejected. Our altars have been dejected. Our altars have been abandoned. Let's go back and repair the altar. It was the first thing Elijah did. He repaired the altar. Let's go back through worship. Worship is the place of surrender. The Lord told me worship is the place of surrender. It's the place you come and lie prostrate before the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender all that I am and all that I have. I am nothing without you. Absolutely less than nothing without you. The greatest of us men at his best is still a man. No man is God. You can be a man of God, but you are not a God of men. And this is one lesson that ministers need to learn, especially in Nigeria. Let's not lord it over the sheep of God. Let's not love things over the people of God. We should love them and help them. Worship is the place of surrender. The Lord also told me worship is the place of exchange. You bring your weakness and you get my strength. Worship is the place of acknowledging his worship. Is the place of acknowledging his worship. What God is worth. Not just what he has done. It's not just about what he has done, but about who he is. Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman by the well in John 4, 23 to 24. Jesus said, God is a spirit. No, first of all, he said the hour, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers. So there are people who are worshippers but are not true. <laughs> he said, but the true worshippers <laughs> shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. There are some people that are wanted by God. Who are you on Sunday morning? A worshiper. Who are you Friday night? A stripper. Then you are not, you are not a true worshiper. God is looking for people who are true worshipers. Who are worshipers not only in church, but worshipers also at home. Worshipers not only at home, but worshipers at work. Worshipers not only at work, worshipers in school. Worshipers not only in school, Worshippers in the place of business. Does it mean what they do is just sing, sing, hallelujah. I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper. Don't greet me. Don't distract me. I am worshiping my father. No. No. We have made the mistake of assuming that music is all that there is to worship. Don't worry. Don't be in a hurry. I'm going to teach that in depth in the month of July. The month of worship is majesty. You will get to know that worship is beyond just the music, beyond just the instrument, beyond just even the words we speak. It's about our life. Your very life. Your very lifestyle. Worship. Jesus said, God is a spirit. It's not a flesh. It's not bone and flesh. God is a... Jesus was introducing us to God. He said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can deceive everybody. But there are at least three people you cannot deceive. One, yourself. Two, God. Three, devil. Let me add two to the category. Five of them you can't deceive. Four, angels. Five, demons. They all see you. Six. There are six people you can't deceive. The cloud of witnesses that have gone ahead of us. They are cheering us on. 
as we walk this race of life, this Christian race, as you fall and get up and they, they cheer you on, come on, keep moving, don't stop. If you're going through hell, don't stop, keep moving. They're cheering you on. The saints that have gone ahead, the spirit of just men made perfect, they're cheering us on. Those are the ones introduced in Hebrews as the cloud of witnesses being encompassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. If we know how naked we are in this world, we will, we will adjust our lifestyle. If you know that whatever you do in the closet, if you know the millions or billions that are watching you, you won't do certain things. But we do it because we are within the four corners of a wall. We think nobody sees us. A great cloud of witnesses are looking at you. What draws his attention is your worship. This is the only point God gave me for today. Worship. God is a spirit. It's not flesh. You can't impress him with your fleshly things. Oh, by the time I give God a lot of money. Yeah, money should be part of your worship. But that's not what gets his attention. By the time I dance, I, I will dance away my sin. <laughs> Bring your dance. He enjoys it. If it's a good one. But that's not the totality of your worship. Oh, if I offer him a very melodious song. Don't forget that song that says, when the music fades. And all is stripped away. And I simply can't. God's going to help you. Longing just to bring something that's of worth. That will bless your heart. What will I bring? I bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. Why? You search much deeper within than the way things appear. You looking into my heart. I'm coming back. To the heart of worship. Where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about performance. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. Whereas, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Romans 12.1. Amplified classic. What is worship? Let me give you a sneak peek. Romans 12.1. Amplified classic. Media please. Romans 12.1. Amplified classic. Let's read together. From the word of God. That's KJV. AMPC. Yeah. Thank you. I appeal to you therefore. Let's read together please. You can see it on the screen. One, two, go. I appeal to you therefore brethren. And beg of you. Look at me. Paul said, I beg of you. I beg. It must be a serious matter. For Paul, the agent, to go on his knees and say, I beg of you. I beg. There is something you don't know that you need to know. People might deceive you with vain philosophy. False interpretation of the scriptures. But I beg of you, I beg of you, 
in view of all, all the mercies of God, all of it put together, this must be a serious matter. To make a decisive dedication of your bodies. A decisive dedication of your bodies to decisively dedicate your body to the Lord. Presenting all your members and faculties from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet as a living sacrifice. When God sees the sacrifice, the fire of revival will fall. As a living sacrifice, holy. Present your body holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God. He didn't say your spirit, he said your body. Which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. My body is your sanctuary. It's an old song. My body is your sanctuary. Purify me like gold. So that I might be bold to say my body is your sanctuary. We have a gospel now that focuses more on the spirit. And says, no matter what goes on in your flesh, no matter what goes on in your body, it does not matter. It's a one-legged gospel. It will injure you. Paul said, I beg you. He didn't beg us in view of all God's mercies to present our spirit because your spirit is already perfect, reborn and regenerated after God. On the inside now, you look like Jesus. But hey, your body is part of your worship. It's your body, but it's part of your spiritual worship. The dedication of your body. So when you carry this body, carry it as an element of worship. Carry it as an instrument of worship. Not just your piano, not just your violin, not just your guitar. But this body is for worship. This body is not for premarital sex. This body is for worship. <laughs> it is not for stealing and lying and cheating. This body is for worship. When you do that, you attract the attention of Jesus. Oh, nothing attracts him like worship. Nothing. I will show you an example in the Old Covenant. Then show you in the new, and we stop there for today. When you behold him in worship, come and behold him. Burn the king of angels. Oh, come, let us. When you behold him in worship, listen, he will cover you with his aura. And it's a sweet smelling aura. He will come with his perfume. True, genuine, heartfelt worship is his fragrance. That's the fragrance of Jesus. When he smells it, he comes. And when he comes, no devil, no sickness, no adverse condition can survive his presence. I don't know how better to say this. 
Psalm 16 verse 11 says, that will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. When Jesus comes into your room, his, your, your room smells of his aura. Your life is, is shielded. Your life is surrounded by the aura of Jesus. I watched the testimony of a couple. This was in America. The man slumped and died on the kitchen floor. The wife, a believer, both of them believers. The wife rushed to the kitchen when she heard the loud bang on the floor and saw the lifeless body of her husband. She said, no, Satan, you're not getting my husband. Thank God for women that know the authority as believers. Thank God for men also that know the authority as believers. She took over the spirit of death. Banished death. Rebuked death. Released the word of God. And I'll talk about that next service. Whatever you do, if you take a vacation from the word of God, it will be your greatest undoing. If you don't devour the Bible, if you don't eat it and read and meditate and feast on it, <laughs> you are setting yourself up for disaster. See, God's plan for your life is here. This is food for your spirit. This woman began to worship after she had taken charge over that spirit of death and banished him. And then she worshipped. The man sneezed, came back to life. That is not the only testimony. They said for about two, two, two weeks or so, their home, that kitchen, and the man's body was smelling of fresh flowers. They believed that as she worshipped, Jesus actually came into that kitchen, raised the man back to life, when the man came back to life, he said Jesus actually woke him up. The woman didn't see Jesus, but she knew there was a presence. And that place was smelling fresh flowers. And the man was smelling for two weeks. And the kitchen as well. That's an American example. I heard of a Nigerian couple also in Manchester. The woman eventually died, but the Lord came to her bedside. Gave her certain instructions to give the husband. Both of them pastoring the church. But they will not come for worship. It is for the small boys and the girls. They will opening prayer, pastor will not be there, his wife will not be there. Praise worship, pastor will not be there, the wife will not be there. They will stroll in somewhere in the middle of the service. And when they stroll in, you know, protocol, everybody, you know, everybody's pushing everybody. Because the man of God is coming. And the woman of God. And they will stroll in. clear everywhere and then they will sit down. And then when it's time for the word, man will come out and dish the word and mama will also come and do whatever she wants to do. It's a testimony of a Nigerian couple. The Lord said he had been dealing with them to stop that habit for a long time. They didn't stop. Well, she came down with COVID. It wasn't the Lord that did that. It was the devil. But before she transited, the Lord came to her bedside. The Lord actually gave her instructions. She became 100% well. But she still went to heaven. I don't know the details. I don't have the details. But the man, because when the Lord left, the woman said, give me my phone. Give me my phone. I want to call my husband. I want to. And you know, England, once somebody's in the hospital to take away their phone, they give out the phone. She calls the husband and said, get here in 30 minutes. However, you're going to get here. The man got there. What's the problem? Said the Lord was here. The Lord was here. The man said, the man testified that he had never seen his wife that fresh. 
all fresh, all well, all the pain from COVID complications was gone. Everything was gone. The wife was okay. In fact, the man said, let's go home. But the woman had seen the Lord. And I figured she just desired to go. But the aura changed. When we worship, when we worship the proper way, he comes. And when he comes, he never comes empty-handed. Our worship is his fragrance. The Lord warned her and gave her a warning to the husband. The man said, my life is changed forever. He said, we were the king of the church. Instead of allowing Jesus to be the king of the church. We were strolling at the time that we liked. As if our boy was there waiting for us. You never go into the meeting with your governor and you go late. You never go into a meeting with your president and you go late. But you are going into a meeting with the king of kings. The one that was not voted in. That will never be voted out. That can never be impeached. And you go late to his presence. The pastors of the church. Oh wow. That hit me real bad. Worship will make you change. It will make you put Jesus in his rightful place. And you put yourself where you belong. When you are a true worshiper. The father seeks such to worship him. Worship is going on inside. Some people are outside. They will be talking and gisting away. The king is inside. Prayer is ongoing. You are outside. Doing what? Worship will change your life. True worship. Let me show you. 1 Kings 8, 10 and 11. Quickly. Then I'll go to 2 Chronicles 7. That 2 Chronicles is a long one. But let's quickly see 1 Kings 8, 10 and 11. And it came to pass. This was at the dedication of the temple of Solomon. Solomon had built the temple. David wanted to build the temple. God said no. But the one from your loins will build it. So Solomon built it and then dedicated it. And it came to pass. When the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. On a number of occasions, I've tried to preach before in this church and I couldn't preach. Because the atmosphere of worship was so heavy and so thick. We just flowed with the Lord and the Lord delivered people, set people free, promoted people. In one service, God can do in one moment what we cannot achieve in a lifetime. If you are not sleeping, say amen. Can you now imagine when you make worship part of your daily routine? Not just Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday. What happens on Monday? What happens on Tuesday night? What happens on Wednesday? What happens on Friday? What about Saturday? Let me show you another Old Testament example. Second Chronicles 7. This is also the same thing. The dedication of the temple. But I want to show you something that will humble you a little bit. Second Chronicles 7, please. It's a long read. We're going to read it. It's also at the dedication of the temple of Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 1, 
I will read verse 1, then I will backpedal to show you something. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Solomon made an end of what? Come on, talk to me, church. Praying. He just finished praying. What manner of prayer did he pray that made fire fall? Listen, for the next five minutes, listen, listen. What kind of prayer did Solomon pray that made fire fall? Don't forget that this guy was not baptized in the Holy Ghost. He didn't speak in tongues. For those of us who think the only kind of prayer that we pray is speaking in tongues, and no, 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 and no, 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 no. We are so shallow in this generation. See, man, I follow that man because he prays 16 hours in the Holy Ghost. You can tongue and not pray in the Spirit. Let me tell you something about prayer. In the place of prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than to have words without a heart. David said, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be moved. I'm more empty tongues. This generation is so easily carried away and swayed by efforts, abilities, what we're able to do. And we pride ourselves in that. Solomon never spoke in tongues. Backpedal to chapter 6. Let's just, we can't read the whole chapter. It's, it's too long. It's not too long, but for this service. I will just take maybe from verse Verse, verse 39. He said, then hear thou from the heavens. This was part of Solomon's prayer. Even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Solomon was praying. No, this was prayer. This is prayer. Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open and let thine ears be attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise. This was the end of the prayer. He told God. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place. Thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the message of David, thy servant. End of prayer. It was a long prayer. Everything rendered in the understanding. Paul said, I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with my understanding also. Don't throw away the place of praying in the understanding. It's a way of communing with your God, with your dad. Talk to him. I don't know if Daniel ever spoke in tongues. I don't know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abraham was telling God, he was communing. Okay, Lord, what if we have 40 righteous people there? Prayer that makes a difference comes from the heart. It's about the heart. And that's the instrument of worship. When you have a proper balance of worship and prayer and the word, there is always an explosion. Now let's read chapter 7. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, 
Don't listen to me. Read also along. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the bond offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. There was no room for the priest. <laughs> and when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord. Choir, are you looking at this? The Bible says, they, now church, not just choir, everybody and those online. The Bible says when they saw the fire and they saw the glory, what did they do? They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement. Don't be too big to fall on your face before the Lord in worship. Don't be too big for this. I'm wearing white. I can't do that today. My clothes will be dirty. Which one is more important? Your clothes or your destiny? I just bought the shoes. It will stain. But I go on my knees. Nobody told them. Did Solomon shout, hey, you children of Israel, bow, bow, bow. Did he say that? Come on, talk to me, child. Did he say that? Look at worship. They bowed their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord. Saying, what did they say? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You will find this phrase throughout the old covenant. It was the song of Moses. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. It was the song of Jehoshaphat. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. They will go to war and be singing, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. That was all. That was all. And God was fighting. It amazes me that they didn't sing, God finished the enemy, killed the enemy, every enemy from my father's house, what are you still waiting for? So my son, die, die. No, they didn't sing that. They just sang, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And as the mercy was shielding them from the attacks, it was showing the enemies pepe. <laughs> they didn't sing the day togu togu, the day tija tija, the day ninu abarare, the day onorumi ko wabeori otamio. Otatobani ko niribe. Ako ako sabetela akutue. Those are not songs that glorify God. Are you with me, church? The song, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. When you bring money to church as your offering, it is part of your worship. It is not Pastor Fred that needs your money. No. It is not God that needs your money. No. It is you that needs that money. So when you let it go in worship, God will multiply it and give it back to you. Your worship should not be empty. Your worship is incomplete when you don't bring a substance to God. This is not a church that talks about money, 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 money. But I will teach you. In the days ahead, I will teach you because I want you to prosper. Because I have not changed my request before God. I want God to raise at least a hundred millionaires from this house. And they must be people that give. Amen? I say, Pastor, we are going to Poli. How much do we need? I want to sponsor that outreach. 
after Poli, where next are we going? And how much? In fact, Pastor, what is the plan for all the outreaches this year? What's the budget? 20 million? Pastor, I'm going to give 40 million. Legit money. Amen? Can I have an amen? Because God will make you that. <laughs> Solomon was rich. But one of his secrets was his generosity. We'll see it now. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 oxen. My God. 22,000 oxen. To kill one ox was a problem. See, today is a problem. Is strong. One. Solomon. <laughs> bring it, bring it, bring it on, bring it on. He had his knife in his hand. He turned the neck, blood flowed in every direction. Bring the next one. He turned the neck, blood everywhere. Bring the next one. One, two, three, four. How many chickens can you kill before you get tired? Now, how many goats can you kill before you get tired? How many cows? Oxen. 22,000. Not 2,000. 22,000. One day. He didn't stop there. You know, because we read some things in the Bible. Just, uh, God, uh, bless me like you bless Solomon now. Uh, you that God can't collect 5K from. Only 5K. Oh, yeah, give to that outreach. That outreach comes up this, this weekend. They need to bag. We want to buy three bags of rice. It will cost us about maybe 100,000, 90 something thousand. You have give them. You have 100 in your account. Give to us. <laughs> I bind the devil. <laughs> 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. My God. 22,000 oxen, 120,000 ECAU. 120,000 asun. Imagine the volume of blood on that altar that day. They will be swimming. I don't know how Solomon walked past if he didn't fall inside the blood. Unto the Lord. He sacrificed. He said, God, this is for you. 120,000 sheep. Bring the next one. Bring, bring it. Okay, are you not tired? Come on, bring it. And you know, you don't just do and kill one. It, it, it takes a lot of effort to kill one. One twenty thousand sheep. So, the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. That was how they dedicated the house of God. And the priests waited on their offices. The Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord because his mercy endured forever. When David praised by their ministry and the priest sounded trumpets before them and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings. That's apart from those ones who. And the fat of the peace offerings. Because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings. And the meat offerings and the fat. The offerings were too much. They were more than the offering baskets. Can you imagine our, our ushers taking offering now and then offering is just overflowing everywhere, falling on the floor because the baskets were too small and they brought the big basket and it was full and it was too much. So Solomon made an extra place for the offering. A large heart. 
when you have a heart for God, you will do well in life. Solomon said it was in the heart of, the, of David, my father, to build a house unto the Lord. The Lord said, because it was in thine heart, thou doest well. Listen to me. If you have a heart for God, you will do well in life. Just have a heart for God. God, I love you. Tell him every day. And I want to love you more. And I want to worship you more. More than my hustle. You will do well. I say you will do well. So many things to read here. Also at the same time, Solomon kept the feast. Seven days and all Israel within a very great congregation from the entering of Amath unto the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. And all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prosperously effected. We should be generous towards this house. We need more fans. We need air conditioners. We need more musical instruments. We need computers. We need this. We need that. Let your heart be there. Even though you don't have the money now, say, Lord, I want to do it. Then God will bring the resources into your hands. If it's in your heart, it will come into your hands. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. People pray. And they say, Lord, I want to see you. I want to come to heaven. I want to appear before the throne. God came to Solomon. Imagine the sacrifice during the day. In the night, God came down. I mean, there are things we do that provoke heaven. They trigger things in the realm of the spirit. It could be as simple as you lending help to the poor. The Bible says he that, he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And that which he lends him, God will repay. 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep, and in the night God came. Co, 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 Solomon, wake up. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, What did the Lord say? I have heard thy prayer. Did he pray in tongues? If you are not sleeping, answer me. Did he pray in tongues? He prayed in understanding. Did God hear? That's to show that even if you pray in the understanding, God hears. I'm not, I'm not belittling praying in tongues. Don't get it wrong. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh to God. Men do not understand him. I'll be it in the spirit, speak mysteries. Alright? He speaketh to God and not to men. So, speaking in tongues has its place. But if you want to do it effectively, let it flow from your heart. Be engaged. Not this one you are tonguing and your mind is on the beans and rice you left at home. Oh God! I forgot to cover the beans. Oh, oh God, oh God. And there are cockroaches in the house. And you are praying into But your mind is at home. Look at this one. She's very proud. Look at the style she's even wearing. Coming late to church. 
you speaking in tongues? Yes. But are you praying in the spirit? If you're wearing simple, simple clothes like this, you, if you do it as if there's no money, let's pray, church. But your mind is on the car. Are you speaking in tongues? Yes. But are you praying in the spirit? No, you are not. So a lot of our praying in the spirit, sometimes a lot of, a lot of our tonguing is a waste of time. Engage when you want to pray in the Holy Ghost. It happens to me too. I go on my knees and my mind travels here. I call the mind back. Mind, come back. What's your problem? Don't feast on the problem. Jesus is here. Let's talk to him. And every time I've prayed like that, I've got answers. When I've been able to focus. But look at Solomon. God said, I've had your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself, to myself one house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there'll be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. This was what God told me the first day we moved into this building. Expression House, our first Sunday morning service. We used to be an afternoon church, meeting upstairs at the first floor. Our first Sunday morning, I came before the Lord to pray. And this was God's response to me. He said, now my eyes shall be open, and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. I want to encourage you, take advantage of what you have. Leave school sometimes, come to church to pray. God hears prayers in this house. A few days ago, I was at home, I think on Wednesday. One of our grandmothers in the other church just called me on the phone. Pastor Fred, are you in the office? I said, no, ma. She said, I need to pray with you. I want you to pray with me. I said, what's going on, ma? She said, I came into the ark to pray. And as I got to your altar, God showed me a vision about herself. And I want you to stand with me as God's servant. She was praying there, and as she got here, a vision came. And we took care of that in the realm of the spirit. Take advantage of what you have. Take advantage. Even Sunday service like this, after service, talk to God. Go to a corner, talk to God. It's not all about chit-chat, chit-chat. I'm looking for a people that will be praying now 30 minutes before service. An hour before service. Lifting up the service to God and say, Lord, come. That's our only prayer. Lord, come. You are the most important person. I pray normally in my office, but this morning the Lord said, go and walk the floor. So some people saw me walking the floor, 7.30 to 8 this morning. Do same. Don't see me walking the floor and be looking at me. What's pastor doing this morning? You two pray. You two pray. You see your pastor praying, you should pray. If you are talking before, you change your topic and start praying. Pastor is praying, let's pray. That's a good example. Amen. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house. And that my name may be there forever. Say amen. 
and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Say amen. Then God began to give him further instructions. And as for thee, if you walk before me as David your father walked, and if you do according to all that I have commanded you, and shall observe my statutes and my judgment, then will I establish the throne of your kingdom according as I have covenanted with David my father, uh, your father rather, David thy father, singing, there shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel, because God is a covenant-keeping God. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, God doesn't joke with his worship. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of, the, out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight. And will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it. So that he shall say, why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, has he brought all this evil upon them. Having seen the face of the Lord, may we not see his backside. Let me close. Finally. When you want to worship God, you know we have the New Testament advantage. We have the Holy Spirit now dwelling on the inside of us. So worship should be going on 24 hours in our lives. The Psalms are a very good way to begin your praise and worship. The Psalms. And I'm going to demonstrate it now. These Psalms are rich. Let's go to Psalm 132. 136. Psalm 136. You know, some, I hear some young preachers say, you don't read from the Old Testament. Oh, no. We are new covenant people. Hallelujah. Yes, we are new covenant people. I don't know if we are any more new covenant or if we are newer covenant than Paul the Apostle, who encouraged us in Ephesians 5, verses 19 to 20, and Colossians 3, 16 and 17, to sing psalms. Paul sang psalms. And hymns and spiritual songs. Jesus sang hymns with his disciples. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. They are a great way to begin your worship. You wake up tomorrow morning, you don't know where to start from. Go to the Psalms. And offer your worship to the Lord. Leave that Psalm open. Because we have the new covenant advantage occasioned by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, worship should go on 24-7 in our lives. I close by telling you expression now. Choose worship in all your ways. Worship is in your choices. I can tell a lie, but I won't. I choose worship. When I tell the truth, that's worship. I choose worship. I can have free sex today after church. My boyfriend is waiting. But I won't. I choose worship. I will worship God with my body. I leave my body for God. I can keep malice with somebody forever. But I choose to worship God instead. I can choose to worry over my problems and my situations. But I choose worship instead. I magnify King Jesus and not my problems. I look to him and not to my problems. Let's demonstrate 
tactics. Let's be on our feet with Psalm 136 open. Psalm 136. All of us will read verse 1 together. The ladies will read verse 2. Then the brothers will read verse 3. And we'll keep alternating like that till we get to the last verse. It's a good way to worship. Amen. Are you ready to worship God? We are looking to Jesus. As we read through these Psalms, we are beholding the face. The beautiful face. The glorious face of Jesus. One, two, go. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Ladies, verse 2. Brothers, verse 3. Give thanks to the Lord of Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Sisters, 4. Brothers, by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. Sisters, Brothers, to him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. Sisters, brothers, verse 10. Verse 11. Make it louder, brothers. The next verse, sisters. Brothers, don't let them overshadow you. Come on. To him which divided the red sin to part for his mercy endure it forever. Yes, sisters. You now raised, you now increased your tone. Okay, brothers. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his mercy, endure it forever. To him, we smote great kings. For his mercy, endure it forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. For his mercy, endure it forever. And gave their land for an heritage for his mercy endure it forever. Who remembered us in our low estate for his mercy endure it forever. Who giveth food to all flesh for his mercy endure it forever. All of us, last verse. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven for his mercy endure it. Hallelujah. It's a good way to worship him. Psalm 34 verses 1 to 5. Psalm 34 verses 1 to 5. David the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, 
magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. As we look unto Jesus, we are lightened and our faces will never be ashamed. Psalm 103, from the beginning to the end, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. O forgive it all thy iniquities. O healed all thine diseases. And crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executed righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his act unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. I can't hear you, brothers. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards us that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Like as the father pitied his children, so the Lord pitied us that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembered that we are dust. As for man, his days as grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord! Is from everlasting to everlasting upon us that fear him and his righteousness unto our children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those of us that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Finally, bless the Lord, all his works. In all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul. Hallelujah. Bring the communion. This was what Paul saw and experienced. And he wrote Ephesians 5, 19 to 20. And Colossians 3, 16 and 17. To sing psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs. To worship. To make melody in our hearts to the Lord. I'm tempted to sing, but I don't want to sing. There is a hymn. Praise my soul. The King of heaven. To Thy tree. 